AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Oh, this has to be Andy Weiner's selection. This would not make my cut. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it's not, but it's a fine. It's fine. It's all right. It uh, sort of sets us off. I was very, very interested in uh, the discussion you had that you left off with your debate where you uh, had a shot of morphine. Having had morphine many times in my life, <laughs> it is... It is so good. You are so euphoric. You feel no pain. In fact, you're not even really interested in anything at that point. Fentanyl or morphine, I've had them all. But I will tell you, you're right. You're in a debate, and uh, you have all these range of emotions that are flowing. Sometimes you look in that case, you had opponents, right? It was plural as opposed to one-on-one. I remember my first debate against Fernando Mateo right here at WABC. Two hours and about three hours before, I had crashed into a play class uh, door, you know, that you think is clear, and it's not. And it like, knocked me for a loop. I had a, a partial concussion. Having had those before, you can't focus. You know, your head is right. going round and round. It's like vertigo. You feel like any moment you may have to throw up. So I had people talking to me. I'm just ignoring them. Uh, like a fighter in the ring, I said, I got to go in there. I got to knock him out. I can't wait. I may not be able to make right, it to right. the debate. And you can't cancel. You can't cancel. Imagine Curtis, you, oh, uh, I think I have a slight concussion. I got to cancel. But you're so right. Lights, action, camera, let it whirl. And you felt like uh, a million bucks. Well, you know, the thing that both of us have in com- had in common in these circumstances is, you know, you, sometimes you can over prep for these things because let's face it. We answer all these questions thousands of like the idea you get a question you haven't gotten before in a debate never happens. Reporters think they're doing that, but you've and the difference is the structure of the debate is very different. You're not used to standing up in a suit and tie at a lectern when you're talking about these things. So that's different. And also all of these people around you are putting on a lot more pressure on it. Sometimes you're actually much better just to kind of have some other thing to focus on. In your case, it was that you had a focus because you had a headache. I had this drugs coursing through my system. Um, but, you know, sometimes you can really, you can over prep. That's why I recommend that uh, if Zeldin gets a second chance at Hochul, he uh, maybe get some of that CBD, some of that uh, reefer madness, just to kind of chill out a little bit, be you more relaxed in his debate. Liquid Prozac. Maybe, maybe. This is what maybe. Mike Tyson used to take before he'd do some of those interviews that he would cry on. And he said, wow, you cry in America forgives you. But he would take liquid Prozac first. That, yeah. yeah, because remember, he was emotionally all over the place. But that's an excellent idea because, yeah, Lee was a little too hot, a little too shrill, a little too over the top at times. And, yeah, he need, But he was a hell of a lot calmer in this debate against Kathy Hochul than he had been in the three prior debates against his Republican adversaries. Well, remember but, how hot he got Totally, those? but remember, you and I both observed that Andrew Giuliani won by not necessarily winning, by seeming to be the most calm, most, you know, because if you remember that debate, you had, you had Zeldin as the front was getting attacked by yes. a lot of folks. You had, he was getting... Um, who was an Astorino. Astorino. Astorino was, he has a lot of experience in these debates and seemed calm, but a little bit too smooth by half. Like he was a little bit too good at what he, And then Wilson was the kamikaze. He had nothing exactly. to lose. He just went right at him. Exactly. And, and very often in these things, you're just trying to gauge what, you know, who you're, who you're supposed to be. My view of Zelda, and I mentioned this on my show, is that if he was talking to moderate, Democratic women or even men who are thinking of switch, is this guy safe? Is he a, you know, a Republican, but one that I can feel okay voting for? 
he came across so hot and so amped up, it seemed like he was talking to his base, not talking to swing voters. But i got to tell you, Anthony, because it was limited to New York one, so many voters just didn't have an opportunity to see the yeah. debate. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't go and try to find the debate online. You only got little snippets. So although it was good they had a debate, it wasn't well viewed, unfortunately, for the entire day to be able to see it. But I will tell you this, uh, he went in for a knockout right away because he went right for the crime issue. He knows that's his pathway to victory. You know, a good campaign has three issues, a better campaign has two issues, and his campaign right now, it's one issue. Crime, crime, crime. And it's resonating. People are responding to it. So naturally, he's going to keep pumping the gas. So I noticed, even when Errol Lewis was trying to divert him, uh, let's talk about abortion. No, he brought it right back to crime. At least the first 20 minutes. And then, I don't know, he got lost for 15 minutes on the Trump question. He got all, like, flummoxed, tongue-tied. Yeah, I was, I, I mean, look, I, 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 I tweeted out, you know, you know the over-under on, on Zeldin saying, you know, um, uninhabitable hellscape when referring to New York was like five <laughs> or six. And the over-under on Hochul saying Trump was like 20. You know, like, I kind of figured what they would be trying to do. Um, I didn't think she was great. I mean, I listened. I thought she'd come in there with a really good answer on crime, and she kind of didn't. No. She kind of flopped around a little bit. And I thought he would come in with much better answers. What are you going to do about Planned Parenthood funding? I'm going to ask Hasty. You know, most voters have no idea who Hasty is. And exactly. Who, and so I thought that was that was. But but the the real thing that I try to stress, and, and, and you, I think, capture this in your debates against Eric Adams, is you want to try to show – some level of authentic who you are. Because remember, unlike a member of Congress or even a senator, people are voting on who they're going to see on their TV for four years as running the state. And they want to have a sense, okay, are you seem comfortable in your own skin? Am I going to want to see you on the TV every night? Um, and I don't think, I don't think Zeldin passed that test. I think he came across as kind of shrill. But another thing to keep in mind, how many truly undecideds are there? At this stage of the campaign, one of the reasons Hochul dragged this out for so long is she and Chuck Schumer's having his debate. I know you were writing him a little bit. He's having his debate, I think, tonight or tomorrow night. One of the reasons they wait so long is they know the undecideds are all gone by that point. I think. I think his was last night. No, I, I don't I think, think it was he would a Friday do, night. He, he wouldn't do it Erev Shabbat. You sure? I doubt he would do it Erev Shabbat. I, I stand to be corrected. I mean, you know, because he's a Hamish cup. He's, you know, he's... He's you 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 know how how religious he is from his recent advertising. Oh, absolutely! He did a, a little commercial in uh, in Yiddish, in which he started telling you what Yiddish words were. He said "shmo," and I said, "Well, what about Schmendrick, Pischer, Putz, Schmuck? You know things that he took great offense uh, of." By the when, way, do uh, you know you know what a shomer is? You know what a shumer is? A shomer? No, no. It's a watchman. It's a protector. Oh, I'm surprised he didn't throw that in. Oh, the shumer, the watchman, the shomer, the predecessor to the guardian angel. Right, because exactly. before there were cops, they were the Watchmen. Well, Remember, right. that was a great comic book series. That was a great movie, very dark uh, movie, The Watchmen. Well, that's what the 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 Jewish Police Association is called, the Shamrim Society. Yes, yes. But anyway, I want to tell you, you know I'm really into this campaign, because today I showed up in Chelsea, the enemy territory. There's no doubt. I mean, you talk about Democrats, liberals, progressives. I mean, we're talking hardcore socialists, and they'll tell you that. Uh, that they they are true believers, and I was there for a guy named Joseph A. Mafia, and people were saying you're campaigning for mafia. I said, yeah, I'm campaigning for mafia. I said, yeah. they said, didn't they try to kill you? I said, yeah, but this guy is not part of organized crime. His name is mafia. They said, no kidding. So it enabled me to engage voters, and I said, yeah, you know, finally you lost your uh, assemblyman Gottfried. I said, yeah, Gilbert Gottfried just died. <laughs> I said, no, not Gilbert Gottfried, the comedian. He wasn't your assembly, but, but it just tells you how some people are disconnected from their local leadership. But this guy, Richard Gottfried, who you knew well, I think he was the longest serving assemblyman in the history of state assemblies around the United I States. Think, I think that's right. But an important thing to keep in mind is that if you're not on the ballot, and remember, if you're a Democrat representing the west side of Manhattan, you're not getting primaried, and in the general election, who really notices who's running against the Democrat? People are just kind of, like, it's the primaries that get people really out, or, or a contested election. He hasn't had a contested election since our, you know, our parents were were, were going, were, were walking around. But I, but the one thing is, I, what is his real name? His name isn't really Mafia. Yeah, it is. 
It is. It's Joseph A. Mafia. And by the way, so I and Anthony went there. We got off at the very place where Sarah Feinberg, who had been the previous president of the MTA in charge of the subways and buses, got cold cocked the other day as she was entering the subway system at 23rd and 6th Avenue for the F train. Some guy comes up, hits her, and then goes up the bike path and leaves. Not on a bike, but, you know, like basically walking away. No cops. She calls 911. No cops. 13th Precinct, no cops. She walks over to the precinct. She files a complaint. No arrest whatsoever. Now, this is affecting everybody. This woman used to be in charge of the buses and subways for about a year of the MTA, the money-taking yeah. agency, and even she couldn't get any response to the cops. It was bad. When we got off the uh, station, one of the homeless guys, this is the trick of how they get money, they hold the emergency gate open, and they stand in front of it, and they say, a dollar, a dollar, if you want to get in. Now, they just hired these private security officers, you know, to stop fare evasion, and it's not working because they're really not blocking the gate. These guys, they block the gate, and they say, you can't come in here unless you give me a dollar, which beats 275, a swipe on right, your right. Metro card. But they guard that gate religiously. I haven't seen this. Well, where, was this at, at the, the... This the, was at 23rd and 6th, the, uh, entrance the, to the, the F train. The, the FM, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's bad. Well, I know Sarah a little bit. She used to work on Capitol Hill, and I think she lives not far from, from where we do. It's, it is, you know, you say it's affecting everyone. No. Not affecting everyone, Curtis. I mean, crime is up, but it's not affecting everyone. Well, well, there's more to it. As I was walking to meet uh, Joseph A. Mafia, the Republican candidate for assembly of that area. It's, uh, it's funny because it doesn't say Republican anywhere on here. I wonder why. Well, it won't. Not in that area. <laughs> uh, that's almost like uh, this death sentence. But I will tell you this. I and Anthony went. We picked up along the route because we're always picking up garbage together. About four plastic bags of garbage. That's great. Now, that's from 6th Avenue to 9th Avenue. There's nobody cleaning the streets. And the mayor, he just issued a report that he had sanitation inspectors who said that only 2% of the population said that the streets of New York City were filthy. And I said, huh? Uh, is that the presumption that only 2%? I mean, the streets are real now, filthy. What, see, what that's based on is every community board does their report cards, and they always have in the 90s, the 95. It's I don't believe any of those numbers either. I bet you... You know, if you could go to the real 311 data, a lot of people are complaining about the conditions of the streets. It seems like there's a lot more garbage on the streets. Now, my theory of it is that there's still a lot more closed stores and businesses and things like that. Oh, there are many. But, um, and these sheds, the sheds, uh, many of them become basically, uh, port, uh, portals for garbage. People yeah. just toss their garbage in there and nobody ever cleans out the sheds because a lot of those restaurant sheds are not being used. Well, I would clearly make the, the bargain. If you create a quick way, and apparently now if you call through and want to report a shed that's abandoned, it gets taken down. If you can get rid of the ones that are not being used, I am okay continuing with the ones that are there, even though they really didn't go through a full permitting process and everything else. But, yeah, it's a problem. Not only are those sheds for garbage, but also they become little homeless encampments also. Yeah, and not only that, people go in there, they shoot up, they defecate, they urinate. It's Michigan. But what, I'm curious, what kind of reaction do you get? I mean, we both know, yeah. me, we were both candidates for the city for city office. We both know the gay community likes Sliwa. Yeah. They have a, they do have a soft spot. I don't know if it's the fancy headwear. I don't know what it's about. No, no, but, it's, I, remember, in 1976, I conducted the first gay marriage in New York State, at least one that was noted. It wasn't official at that time. This is when, remember, Defense of the Marriage Act, Bill Clinton, right. even your boss at the time, Schumer, everybody signed on it. I married one of my closes at McDonald's, a guy named Ralphie, to his partner in Soundview in the basement of the projects where the black spades were outside ready to tear the group a limb from limb had to go outside with Don Chin in order to defend the uh, family members who were inside the community. Room. Well, let me just catch up. I mean, Diego knows this, but, you know, under New York State law, if you are the manager of a franchise fast food business, you are empowered to conduct weddings, gay weddings only. Absolutely. But you're empowered to do that. Is, and I, uh, I being a night manager of Mickey D's at that time. Right. And I had no idea. But not for Alfie, I knew. Another guy who happened to be uh, an Italian guy who was from Gun Hill Road who was working for me at night, he turned out he was gay. He writes his memoirs. He had been one of the members of the Sopranos, not the main member. He writes his memoirs, and he writes about the time I married Ralphie in the basement of the projects in Soundview, and everybody said to him, you're making it up, you're making it up, and then he produced the pictures. Wow. 
And he said, I was surprised. Ralphie asked Curtis. And, man, nobody even walked up to Curtis at that time. I said, yeah, yeah, why? They're giving you a hard time, Ralphie. Yeah, yeah, nobody wants to. I said, hey, look, that's no problem for me. No so, problem so, so my experience around this was when I was first running for, for Congress in, in 1998, I was running against a guy named Noach Deer who recently passed oh, away. Noach. And um, also against Melinda Katz and yes. a guy named Dan Feldman. So uh, this was a district that included Park Slope. Now, I had represented Flatbush and Borough Park and Sheepshead Bay and places like that. And I started, because I was in this bigger district, started getting asked some questions about, um, about gay rights. And someone said, would you support gay marriage? And this is 1998. I said, yeah, I would support gay marriage. Not knowing that that was a pretty far out there position for the late 90s. It was still not a place. So um, uh, then I go to a dinner for the Agudath Israel of America, which is the umbrella organization that supervises yeshivas. It's it's from, it's orthodox. And Noach Deer had made audio recordings. Apparently there was... As someone might say, a fagler with a wire at one of these at one of these of meetings where I said Wired this. Wired up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and they had made a recording, and he put these little recordings. He had so much money, he can do whatever he needed to do. He put recordings of me saying I supported gay marriage all around this event, just leaving them on the table for people. That was back when they were cassette tapes um, to listen to. And I didn't know what the big deal was. As it turned out, it probably helped me more than it hurt me because I think for the people who really care about they really cared about it. And most people of the position, it doesn't affect, you know, most people are like, it doesn't affect me. Why should I care? Uh, but I kind of accidentally supported gay marriage way back in 1990. Yeah, well, remember, you were against the grain. The Democrats were defense of the Marriage Act. Uh, they were basically saying, be happy your domestic partners. Right, right. You get some benefits. And I was telling them, what are you talking about? They go to a hospital, they, they see their loved one, you're, you're out of here. Yeah. They, they got a battle with the family, God forbid, if their loved one died. You're, you're a person of no consequence. There are, there are a lot of issues that the politicians have to kind of lead the population because there's a lot that theoretically politicians know, policymakers know. When it comes to these social issues, people generally lead, reforms generally come because the politicians are scared to do it until basically you know, it's just basically the courts bypass them or the public bypasses them. And, and in this case, everyone was afraid of their shadow on gay marriage. But also society changed a lot in the 10 years between the time that I said that and it became uh, it became the law of the land. Well, remember, whether you're gay, whether you're a heterosexual couple, it doesn't matter. But if you're living what, what I always described years ago as common law and you're not officially married, your partner is going to have a problem if anything happens to you. Right. You, I even said to Nancy, and I said, what do you want to get married? You've been married so many times already. He said, no, 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 no. It's so important for you, protection for you. If anything should happen to me, you'll get iced out. You'll get iced out by my ex-wives. They'll come in right. like buzzards and vultures. Who knows who will ice you out? And you'll have no say. It's like all of a sudden, you may have been living with me. You may, We may have been sharing a life. It's as if suddenly... You don't exist. And I saw that when my cousin Jimmy Lanigro, uh, he, uh, he, uh, his partner was Leon. They owned the uh, Plymouth Rock Theater in Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts. They were a gay couple. This is 1960. And then Leon got sick. And they had been together for 40 years. And Leon's family turned their back on him. So you can't visit him in the hospital. Yeah. You can't. Even though they shared things, they invested together. He was cut out of everything. Why? Because he hadn't married. He couldn't marry at that time. And I said to myself, no, 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 that's ridiculous. How could you do 40 years yeah. together? If you added up all of my marriages together, it wouldn't be 40 years. I mean, think about that. So I said to Nancy, we got to tie the knot. If nothing more to protect you. And so we went up to the caverns there in upstate New York. The cows were feeding up. It was like 120 degrees in the shade. And you got the manager of a Burger King to, to, to tie the knot for you. No, no, no. It was a hippie <laughs> priest uh, or a hippie pastor or something like that. But it was great. It was my best marriage, bar none. This is the keeper, Nancy, forever and ever in perpetuity. Amen. Right here on Left versus Right, Anthony Rina versus yours truly, Curtis Lee. And if you missed any of In the Middle, you get it on the podcast at wabcradio.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. What is this, a blast from the past, Diego? Oh, Hopefully in honor of Anthony. Anthony, right? Not from me. But anyway, this might as well be the campaign song for Governor Kathy Hochul. No doubt this tightening in the polls has caused the rest among some Democrats, because remember, everything is also down ballot. Uh, your leading candidate, they have to do well because you're hoping that all the down-ballot candidates will also do well on the Democratic Party line. Now, initially in the Democratic debates, Anthony, you had Swazi, who was to the right, and you had Jumani Williams, who was to the left, and Kathy Hochul was in the middle. And DSA and Working Families Party was supporting Jumani, who had, uh, when he was running for lieutenant governor, gave Hochul quite a scare, remember, initially? Right. So... They ne- haven't necessarily coalesced around Kathy Hochul. But and she- DSA, just for our listeners, Democratic Socialists of America, not a party line per se, but an organization that is very powerful, particularly down here. In right, New they York. can get boots out. Uh, they and also and, and also up in Buffalo. Right. So the key is, you're Kathy Hochul. You think you're going to win, but you're not too sure now because of these polls. And you know the people who are not warmest to you, these are not the union people, these are not the moderate Democrats, the uh, what I would call the uh, party Democrats. How do you all of a sudden get them all ginned up? Because my sense in talking to some of them is, yeah, we'll vote for Hochul, but there's no great love of Kathy Hochul. Yeah, I don't see that same fervor on that side as I see with uh, sort of a lot of the Republicans, conservatives, and independents now who have jumped on board the Zeldin bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, you've got two different strategies. One, you have Zeldin trying to localize the race and say this is about our crime here, and you have Hochul and Democrats trying to nationalize it. This is against Trump. This is against January 6th insurgents. This is against saving our democracy and the like. You know, what's more important? You know, we're paying a couple of bucks extra to put gas in our car, but these people are trying to steal our democracy. So it could be that it doesn't matter, Chuck Schumer, Hochul, it doesn't matter, up ballot, down ballot, that there'll be just such heavy turnout that being a Democratic state will be enough. But it looks like in all the polls, the base number now is more 55 than it is 65 or 70. Um, It looks like all of Schumer's numbers are in the high 50s, Hochul's numbers are in the mid 50s. So it does seem like, like there's a lot of anxiety out there. I don't necessarily believe that you have to do a heck of a lot to animate the vote. And it's also not really clear whether in, in these upstate districts, it might be the congressional districts that are dragging people to the polls because those are very contested races all over the state. We had a caller on the middle who called in and gave us the recap of what's going on on Long Island. We have so many contested races throughout the state that it could just be naturally. Remember, every candidate's pulling their own voters. And the interesting question is being how much upstate, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, how much upstate – are people distancing themselves from Hochul or well, wrapping I've, themselves around I've uh, studied internal polls that the Republicans have that they haven't shared with uh, everybody. Upstate is not turning out at the same rate they had hoped because crime is not the big issue upstate. It's the economy. Right. It's inflation. And what benefited Pataki, because everybody says this is like Pataki 1994. In some ways it is, but in some ways it's not. The reason that so many Republicans came out for Pataki from upstate was not Pataki, and his message wasn't even Al D'Amato, who was his main Medici and supporter. It was Rudy Giuliani jumping ship and then supporting Mario Cuomo in his attempt to take over the Republican Party in the state of New York. Because if Mario Cuomo had been elected governor for a fourth term, Rudy would have taken control of the state party mechanism. So they basically stopped that, and that drew a tremendous well, there backlash. Was, there was also enormous amount of Cuomo fatigue going on. And maybe, I mean, it's, it's funny, 
I, I would would like to at some point maybe we'll have Hoke, we'll have Zeldin on win or lose. I would love to put him under a hypnosis and say was he happy or sad that he didn't get to run against Cuomo. I think he conceived of a race against Cuomo, thought Cuomo had overstayed his welcome, thought that the left would abandon Cuomo and the right would never vote for Cuomo, and that Cuomo was ready to fall. And now he's facing this relatively blank slate. You know who the Pataki is in this race? It's kind of Hochul. We don't really know who she is. She's fine. No one has, There's not a lot of strong feelings about her. She seems acceptable kind of to people. And um, so I, I think that, that that is kind of the – that that's the parallel – but the interesting thing, and, and you made reference to it off the air, Buffalo, Erie County, that is kind of that is kind of the wild card here because they have a very heavily contested congressional races up there as well. And so they may get very heavy turnout, and they have been – they're in different places. For example, the, the Buffalo Stadium, maybe the issue doesn't cut against Hochul. Maybe she benefits from it up there. Um, I think Nassau and Suffolk, you would think Zeldin would do pretty well, but – it's not. It, it it isn't. It isn't clear. But I I think I think that the main the main difference from kind of ninety four is you don't have you have a very bad incumbent time, but you also have this very strong national trend. This is like a nationalized election now that a lot of Democrats are going to turn out. I did see some polling though that showed that urban areas are poll are turning out less than suburban areas yes. are because they have fewer contested congressional races. Like there's not as much at stake for them. They're going to still have their existing – like everyone here in New York City is going to have their same congressional members with the possible exception of Max Rose on Staten Island. Um, but I, I – I, but with as many races as there are that are outstanding in New York, we could be the difference on whether the House goes Republican or Democrat. Good, or but I'm still looking at Erie County, Buffalo, and I'll tell you why. When you look at that debate, both from Errol Lewis, who was pounding on Kathy Hochul about the Buffalo Stadium issue – and obviously, uh, Lee Zeldin, who was talking about pay for play. It played well down here, but it didn't play well up there. I spent a lot of time in Buffalo and Cheektowaga, Tonawanda, uh, Lockport, Amherst. Those are the major suburbs. They feel like a stepchild in New York. When you're in New York State, everybody talks New York City, New York City, New York City. They have 15% of the vote. People don't realize. In 94, when Mario Cuomo had the shock of all shocks, he lost Erie County by 5% to Pataki. That's why his son, in running for governor, gave Buffalo, remember, the, the billions, Buffalo billions yeah. against Astorino. Because even though they said the polls indicate that you're going to beat Astorino, and Erie, he didn't want to take a chance because he had flashbacks to his father. I think in this particular case, the Kathy Hochul, will win Erie County because she's the sugar mama. She has brought the bacon to all those those uh, towns and villages in that county that get normally no attention. And people say, well, what, what about Buffalo? Don't think of the city. Think of the suburbs. There are a lot of Democrats. There are a lot of Republicans. But it's 15% of the vote. So if you win, technically, let's say, Erie County, like uh, Pataki did against Mario Cuomo in 94 and shocked Mario, that's potentially the margin of difference in a close race. We do think, obviously, we think the five boroughs. Uh, it's very difficult for Zeldin to win Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, and Manhattan. He's going to win Staten Island. But if he can win Erie County, I think it's a slam dunk he wins. But that, that's why I think Kathy Hochul understands that's my backyard. That's where I made my political bones. And I've given a lot of money well, to if, the interest Right. There. If a Republican is going to the statewide in, in New York State, You've got to win the suburbs. You got to win the suburbs of everywhere, but you got to win the suburbs of the big cities. You got to win the suburbs of Buffalo, the suburbs of New York. Um, I, I I don't have a really good. I don't really good. You know, I talked to my friend Kevin about this from time to time. He lives up there. I don't have a good sense about whether that Buffalo Stadium is all that popular up there either. I really don't. I think a lot of people react viscerally when they hear billions of dollars going to. I don't think. I don't think even even with, even with Buffalo doing as well as they're the doing. The threat was that the Bills would leave Erie County. There was no threat to that. Of course, they would. yeah. Tell that to the people in Oakland, right? I mean, how many times did the Oakland Raiders pull up and leave? L.A., uh, Vegas, teams leave. Look at the St. Louis. Rams. I'm not saying it never happens. I I I don't think there was any. And Zeldin said the same thing in the debate. I, I don't recall hearing any credible discussion about them leaving, and even if they were, it didn't seem like there was much of a bargain. It seemed like she basically wrote a check, you know, and 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 that was it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll, I will clearly stipulate that I don't know what public opinion is 
up there about the stadium. I can say this. There was a moment in her answer where she got very close to saying, this is a big deal for Buffalo. That's good enough for me. And that probably was the answer that, that she should have given. Absolutely. You know, like, look, this is good for Buffalo. That's good enough for me. I do a lot for New York City. I do a lot for this. I do a lot for this. That's how I would have answered the question. Start with the value statement. I want, I am, I am the, I am the Buffalo mayor. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the Buffalo governor. I'm going to be pro. Right, but whatever. you got to understand, people think Buffalo. They're not in Buffalo. It's in Orchard right. Park. No, I get it. I it's get in it. the suburbs. Now, there was a plan to build a stadium in downtown Buffalo, which would have helped in the revitalization of downtown Buffalo, which has suffered. But no, uh, the owner wanted it in Orchard Park. You know, but but taxpayer-funded stadiums are not popular anywhere. And maybe this one will be, or maybe this one is. Listen, it doesn't really matter, I don't believe, because I don't believe that this race is going to come down to that close. I don't mean that. I mean, it'd be closer than Democrats would probably like, but I think it's going to be a 10-point race. So it's not like it, it, it's going to be the make-or-break thing. And also, you know, I, I, it, it, I don't think that Zeldin did a really great job at capitalizing on it. Like, you know, look, people, this, this was a giveaway, but Buffalo Billions was a giveaway also. I don't think, I think you're right. I think the people of your county don't mind politicians saying, I want to win your vote by giving you. Remember the other giveaway of Cuomo? Uh, the president was up over the new chip factory. Hopefully he didn't think it was Lay's potato chip or Frito Lay's, but, you know, the computer chips. But remember when Cuomo gave millions to build a studio was going to be the new Astoria studio outside of oh, Syracuse to make that. films? Yeah. It never even made an industrial film. It never even made a political advertisement film. Millions down the drain. But it won him that Onondaga County area, that Syracuse right. area, which is one of the few major population bases that are left anywhere in the state of New York. Anyway, up next, we got to talk. we got to talk Pennsylvania. Because they're bringing everybody in there. Biden is going in. Harris is Something's going in. Happening. Obama's going in. And uh, your reaction to the debate between Oz and Fetterman. And why is it so much money is pouring into the treasury of Fetterman after that debate? Right here on Left versus Right. It's Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Lewa. And by the way, that other podcast that you do, which is your keys to the city, that yep. I always uh, rip off your intellectual keys to city ideas. And, and also, we have the Middle Unplugged, which is a new middle-of-the-week version of the Middle Un podcast every Wednesday. So look for it. WABCRadio.com for all your podcast needs. The best of Easter begins with a full honey-baked spread. Mm. It's the thing that brings flavor to all the fun and festivities. The bites that make all your guests grateful that Easter's here a little early this year. Enjoy the sweet and crunchy glaze of Honey Bake's bone-in half ham, mouth-watering sides, and desserts. Mm. And make this year's Easter the best-tasting one yet. Cheers. Every bite is a celebration with the Honey Baked Ham Company. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. What is this coffee house music, huh? Park Slope, 7th Avenue. It's Bob Seeger, no? Bob Seeger, he's, uh, I think Diego thinks you're old. I think that's what he's communicating with his choice. Bob Seeger, please. Come on, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yes, Bob Seeger, no. Uh, but anyway, to Pennsylvania we go, a state that truly has earned the nickname Battleground State. Did you watch that debate? Uh, parts of it, not the whole thing. Fascinating. So we have here, I believe, 600,000 ballots in early voting have already been cast. You have uh, Lieutenant Governor Fetterman, whose claim to fame was he was the mayor of Braddock. He said he revived it. Believe it or not, Anthony Weiner in the 80s, I had a guardian angel patrol there led by T.P. King. Yes, Uh, that place took it right on the keister, got knocked on the keister like, like so many others in western Pennsylvania because of the steel industry plummeting and Aliquippa, Beavis Fall, where Joe uh, Namath was from, all those places, just economically devastated. But now is now, and it's a completely different western Pennsylvania. It has become increasingly more Republican. The central part of the state is a toss-up Harrisburg. The eastern part of the state is Democrat. 
So in the aftermath of this debate, $2 million poured in for Fetterman, and the Democrats doubled down. They're going to bring in President Joe Biden, Scranton Joe. They're bringing in Vice President Harris and the big gun, uh, Barack Obama, and I'm sure Michelle Obama may accompany him. Why are they putting so much attention on a race that a lot of people said was lost in that debate? Oh, it's the other way around. I mean, this is this is Fetterman was up by 10, 11 points at one point in August. Oz was getting ridiculed everywhere. He didn't live in the state, didn't understand the state, kept making mistakes, didn't understand the, the name of the supermarket in the state, things like that. And it has tightened, which we knew it would. But this the the stroke and the debate have changed everything because be, not that anyone knows for sure what it means but oz is now basically tied and he's got net negatives he's he's more disliked than he is liked which you hardly ever see you at the very least you should have you know something in a positive range but they but both of them have they have kind of concerns around them um and it could come down to pennsylvania and by the way georgia's also gotten much tighter this you know I, I, look to some, let's re- recount where we were in, say, March and April. And we said, here's what happens in off-year elections. What happens in midterm elections, the president's party gets swamped, and especially when the president's unpopular, and especially when the president's unpopular and inflation is out of control, and especially when inflation is out of control and, you know, 71% of the country says we're going in the wrong direction. This is a bad environment to be the in-party or to be an incumbent. Um, and then things got better. Gas prices started dropping a little bit. The decision in the Dobbs decision activated one side of the of the of the, the laws were getting passed by the Biden administration, the Anti-Inflation Act, and whatever else. Whatever you may think of them, they were getting stuff done. And suddenly, people started thinking, "Wow, the laws of political gravity don't apply anymore." What we're learning is, yeah, they do. They do. The fundamentals are still very good for Republicans. Now, are they as good as we as they usually are? No. It's like this is this is one or two point. Generic ballot lead for the for the Republicans, you would think they'd be six, seven, eight, nine. For example, in 2018, the Democrats were in the neighborhood of nine and ten point generic ballot lead. All uh, right, but let's uh, let's listen to the words that we picked up on the hot mic when your former boss uh, Chuck Schumer uh, was talking to the president and some of his aides on the tarmac, and he said, uh, "We're losing Pennsylvania. Can you believe that Herschel Walker is winning in Georgia?" So that had to be pretty much based on some internal DNC nah. polls. The same, po- it's based on the same stuff we all read, and he kind of—I mean, yeah—I I wouldn't read too much that he's got some. You know, he's seeing the same polling. I mean, look, I think I think it's very, very close. It's within a couple of points in all of these all of these races. A lot of them have gotten much closer. I mean, but there's weird stuff going on, like Ohio. Ryan is doing better now. I mean, are the Democrats really going to win Ohio? I doubt it, but who knows? No, if you, you have limited time, you have now the big gun, Barack Obama, you have the president, and whatever he brings to the race, uh, you have Vice President Harris. You would think there are some other races maybe that are of even more important. Than Pennsylvania? Absolutely. I, I don't see how you pull Pennsylvania out now after that disastrous debate performance. Oh, Fetterman. no, I, I, I don't think it's in, in any way a given. I don't know how undecided voters respond to that. You know, that was a weird moment. It wasn't partisan. It was just a guy really struggling. How do people respond to that? We talked about authenticity in debates. Maybe people who maybe people found that like, oh, wow, the guy's really struggling, but I can relate to that. I don't know how it's going to work. Out. I, I, it's so unlike. Do. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Like I don't have a, I don't have a, 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 a comparable to relate it to to say, oh, we've seen something like this in the past. Someone struggling to even, you know, even to talk clearly struggling. Like you can see him like he was his mind was, was, was trying to get the. So I'm not so sure that voters who are really on the fence. And let's assume it's a voter that says, I want to find out who's really an authentic Pennsylvania guy. And I kind of relate to that, that weird guy with the weird suit, with the weird looking guy who was having trouble talking, as opposed to the other guy who was perfectly dressed, seemed so camera ready. Oz, I mean, he was silk tongue. He had one or two gaps, but he was silk tongue. I'm not sure how that, how that played. Um, All right, but if I were the DNC, I would say, let's scrub Pennsylvania. Let's focus on Arizona because our astronaut may well lose the Senate race. The woman that they had completely written off, Lake, the former TV broadcaster, 
who the Democrat refused to debate under any circumstances. In fact, she had refused to debate her Democratic adversary in the primary. I don't know what's wrong with this woman. But Lake is really doing well. So I would say, man, we gotta, we got to keep the astronaut I, yeah, but, in there. I know, but it's not a given that these guys, that the president, the vice, pre, you know, the vice president, the former president, is not necessarily an asset in every race. I, I assume it is in Pennsylvania because you're trying to generate turnout in Philadelphia. Well, I think Barack Obama is. He's, he's got the correct. Well, he's in Michigan today. I think he was in, he's in Pennsylvania today. I, I think that he may go to other places. I am, I don't. Look, generally, if you're going to visit a place at this point in the calendar, it is pulling. You're pulling out your base. So, yes, Barack Obama, if the polls that I'm seeing are correct, urban areas are less are less likely to vote. Not that they're unlikely, but that the numbers are lower. Correct. It's like 70s in, in a lot of the country, well, and it's I, I think in Pennsylvania, they figure they got a slam dunk for governor with Shapiro over Mastriano. Because Mastriano, obviously. Which, by the way, hurts odds very badly. Yes, it does. But... Uh, people sometimes, as you're seeing in Arizona, Lake is doing better in the gubernatorial race, and she's considered the extremist, than the Republican candidate against the astronaut. I keep calling him the astronaut because, let's face it, that's his claim to fame. Mark Kelly, right. I think you're going to see some jumping around in some of these races, these midterm races, where they're not just going to vote straight party line. Yeah, but here's what to look at. If you really want to find out how races are going, don't watch the candidate. Watch what their opponents are doing. Like I saw, you know, Herschel Walker had another abortion-related kind of mini scandal pop up, and unlike the past where his um, where his opponent Warnock completely ignored it, this time he seized on it and started talking about it. So if you see candidates starting to change what they're doing, it's because they are reading something. And I think what Schumer said in that hot mic was that he doesn't think that they'll choose Walker. He, he says, I can't believe that they're going to pick Walker. I think he meant, I don't believe that we're going to lose that seat. But um, the same is true in Arizona. If you see that Kelly is starting to call in the big guns and say, I need you here, that's probably a sign that, that they have to figure well, out know, how to pull Well, you know, Trump has been in Arizona near the border. He's been in Texas. He's going to do a rally for Rubio in Florida, but he's telling DeSantis, you're not welcome at this rally. So there's already uh, some uh, jousting going on, although DeSantis will be uh, with uh, Elise Eldon in Hop Hog uh, at about 8 o'clock tonight as he's crisscrossing uh, the southern part of uh, New York, uh, uh, Lee Eldon. But I think it's interesting that in what I've heard Trump say, he's not referring to 2020. He's not using it. They stole the election, you know, Dominion well, let's Smartmatic. Well, let's see. One other thing that led at least one of the in, one of the signs that the Republicans were going to start having some trouble is more that Donald Trump was in the news, the, the worse it was for their campaign. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not 100 percent sure this is such a smart strategy on the part of Republicans, but they're trying to animate their base as well. The one thing I took away from the Zeldin debate performance is that he thought he base, 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 base. Now, I don't think you're going to win with just a base vote no, of Republicans. you can't. Um, but I'm sure Donald Trump coming in and helping. By the way, DeSantis traveling to New York leads you to believe something else that we now have to finally come to grips with. No longer is Florida a swing state. I mean, the Repo- De- Democrats think they can every year. If, Ze- if, if DeSantis is here when he has his own election – He's looked like he's he's up by nearly double digits um, in in Florida. Florida is staying red. Texas is probably the same way, even though there's been a little movement there. You know, just when we start to think things are dramatically changing, some things do stay the well, same. Incredibly, though, Beta O'Rourke is within striking distance. He's moved uh, a little Abbott. bit. He's moved a little he bit. He is yeah. within striking distance, and the Dems are pouring a lot of money in that, hoping for an upset. But you're right, and Trump obviously weighing in, Barack Obama weighing in. I think uh, at this point, Biden and Harris, it's just because they are the president and vice president. But uh, I think there are some, there are more negatives sometimes with that than there are positives. But clearly, the big guns. I'm surprised. I'm surprised even he was he was upstate New York, right? Is that where Biden was? Where that video yes. was with him and Schumer? I'm a, little, I'm a little surprised that they think he's an asset up there, but. Well, like I said, uh, he was there because of the chip factory opening up, a huge chip right. factory, and I'm just hoping he didn't think it was for Frito-Lays or for Lay's potato chips. I hope uh, everybody sort of straightened yeah, about on that. It was for our ongoing battle against the Chinese, which Joe Biden and the United States are winning. Let's go, America. By the way, up next, we have to talk about real baseball. That was on exhibit last night in the World Series. 
We didn't get it with the Mets. We didn't get it with the Yankees because fundamental baseball was not being played by most of the teams in the playoffs, including the Atlanta Braves, the Dodgers. By the way, it took them long enough to get this game played. It was like a week we were waiting. Correct. But let me tell you something. Uh, you know, I had to sort of split my vision because I was doing uh, midnight to six, as I'll be doing tonight. And I gave permission to our listeners, I said, yeah, you can listen to both sides. It was such a good game. If baseball could be played like this, uh, it would recapture a whole audience that has basically abandoned shit because every team, they swing for the fences. You know, it's either a strikeout or a home run. Last night, Anthony, you saw fundamental baseball, both teams. They were absolutely marvelous and kept you on the edge of your seat. We'll break it down up next. As I have gone lock, stock, and barrel for the Philadelphia Phillies, the nemesis of the New York Mets. Stop it. And also remember, every time the Philadelphia Phillies have won in the past, a recession has followed. Beware of the Phillies winning the World Series. Go Phillies! Go Phillies! Right here on your place to be WABC. Versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Now, Anthony, an announcement here. Even though I encouraged uh, our listeners last night, the better side of the other side of midnight that I conduct 12 to 6 Saturday mornings and then again tonight, Sunday mornings. Better than what? What is better than what? Uh, the worst side of the other side of midnight uh, with Frank Morano. Uh, we had our highest numbers ever. We cracked four thousand, which is a stream. Obviously, it's inside baseball, but that's a major monumental uh, achievement. And it's because I said to our listeners, "I know you want to watch and listen to this World Series. It's exciting. Go ahead, you can do both." You can listen to me, and you can. And I had callers; I could actually hear the game in the background. <laughs> yeah, they said oh, I'm doing that because I didn't make them make a choice. Right. If I had made them make a choice, I would have lost last night. That was one hell of an exciting baseball game, the old style. Uh, I was sitting at home uh, originally with uh, Nancy at the start of the game. Verlander, who was pitching for Houston, he's Cy Young Award. He's throwing 98, 99, rising fastball, and the Phillies. They're swinging the back of their heels, especially their superstar, Harper. And they went, he went nine up, nine down. And you could see the Phillies in the dugout saying, right, they shorten up, go the other way. We can't hit a home run on this guy. And all of a sudden they came back the second time around. And they're going to the opposite field. They're hitting ground balls. All of a sudden they're turning a single and they're taking third base, you know, as uh, base runners on. Good old solid fundamental baseball. They were down 5 nothing to Houston at home for Houston, which is a powerful crowd to have behind you. They came back. It's 5-5. And, I mean, defensive gems on both sides. You could see both dugouts were into it. It wasn't like with the Yankees or the Mets where you knew right away they were, you know, signal dead on arrival because they weren't hitting home runs. This is the way baseball should be played. Okay, except for one problem. What are the Phillies doing playing in the World Series? Well, the eleventh base record, eighty-seven wins. You want to talk about defense? I can't remember a worse defensive team than the Philadelphia Phillies this year. They were terrible. Now I know Castellanos made that great catch last night. These guys are the worst. What are they even doing here? This this makes a mockery of it. The Astros have one hundred and seven wins during the regular season. Okay, the Phillies are in the World Series with eighty-seven. wins. What happened to this being the best of the AL versus it's the momentum. best of the NL? You know that I know what it makes when you play one hundred and sixty games, one hundred and sixty-two games. The whole point of it is you've got to run that gauntlet and you got one, maybe two teams that come out of, of the AL and the, and the, and the, and the, and the NL. Now it's does, you're just basically like every other sport that just throw another team and another team and another team and just toss everything up in the air and see what happens. There's no reason on earth the 11th best record should be in the final. Well, look at the Yankees, right? Look at what a great record they had. And they, they got beat four, four in a row by Houston. No, I they understand. treated them like a, basically a Little League team. I mean, the whole thing, I get this idea, any given Sunday two teams can win, but this is baseball. We do it differently. We have a regular season that is supposed to really figure out who the best is. A war of attrition, 162 games. And now we've got this new setup, and what happens we wind up getting the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, the third, and they were magnificent. 
I that's mean, what's can, interesting. That's I know you can have you can have a great game between any two teams. That'll happen. But oh, are you really going to sit here and say to me that the Phillies are anywhere in the Astros class? That Absolutely. These are, are. these are not the two best teams fighting oh, it out. Man, you could see that last night. But anyway, let's uh, move to a more important matter for New York teams. Yankees and Mets. Aaron Judge is a free agent. And apparently Steve Cohn has whispered, hey, I got deep pockets here. Rather than see him go off to the Bay Area, which is a possibility. A lot of people, ah, he won't, he won't leave the Yankees. Yes, he will. <laughs> He's a Bay Area boy. And uh, Barry Bonds has been talking to him on a regular basis. Believe it or not, Aaron Judge's hero growing up when he was playing baseball in the East Bay in California was Barry Bonds. Yeah, but you know what else is apparently, you know, there's a lot of been, you know, whispering and talking these stories online that Aaron Judge, he, he, the thing he cares about the most is loyalty, 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 loyalty. His teammates love him. If there was going to be a Captain C given to someone, it'll probably be him. And when he got booed, it really it shook it shook him up and it shook his teammates yep. up. It says what kind of a what kind of a market seventh seven inning game two. What kind of a market is this? You you wonder if you look. I think that the Yankees are going to offer him a big number. I don't look. I, I give him credit. I give him credit. He walked away from a big number. Said I'm going to bet on myself, etc. The, the the more interesting thing is 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 Cohen sniffing more around. Judge than he is around Degrom. Is he is he saying, you know what? I'm prepared to let Degrom grow if I can get Judge. Because I, you know, you keep hearing these things that they're more concerned about Diaz, our closer, signing him than they are about Degrom. I think Judge still winds up staying in New York. But man, oh man, you wouldn't think that booing would matter that much. I mean, I don't care. You you pay for your ticket. Oh, it, you can it, go out. And it, boo. it was like a stake in his heart. But well, yeah, I mean, we we forget these are young. These these are kids. These are young guys. The other stake in the heart. A man who never says anything. He's the Sphinx. Mariano Rivera was being honored at Seton Hall University the other night. Lifetime Achievement Award. I was an invited guest. I couldn't go because I'm campaigning as we're moving towards November eighth. And he said. Aaron uh, Boone has got to go. Uh, Mariano Rivera never, never weighs in. He is always. He, he dialed it back. He dialed it back I know, a little but bit. Uh, a lot, I asked Rudy, Yankee fan, he goes, yes, Aaron Boone's got to go. I believe Aaron Boone's got to go. They're never going to get into the World Series uh, Hank, or win a Hank, World Series Hank, with Aaron Hank, Boone. Hank Steinbrenner seemed to imply he's here to stay, but I'm with you. He is not a very good manager. Well, if uh, Hank uh, wants Aaron Boone and Cashman, they're not getting into a World Series. And he might lose Judge. You know, in the back of Judge's mind, it may well be, how much more can one guy do for a team? Totally. I got a manager who makes the worst decisions, and we're out of the playoff and World Series picture again. And the Phillies are in. That makes no sense.